The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. There are calls for caps to be put in place because of an expected, as the Daily Mail describes it, blitz of energy uh, price hikes. We saw electricity increase gas bills by 39%, electricity bills by 46%. And at the same time, there are predictions that we might see blackouts and rationings at pumps this winter because of the hike uh, likely in petrol and diesel prices. That's according to the Irish Independent. With us is David Horgan, who is CEO of Petrol uh, Resources. Morning, David. Morning. Uh, David, it seemed that we were getting our arms around the cost of petrol and that the price was um, coming back slightly from uh, peaks north of of two euro uh, a litre. Was that a false dawn? Yes, because... uh the, 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 one of the main factors that's been driving the crude price down over recent months is that the American administration have been dumping uh, over a million barrels a day into the market from their strategic petroleum reserves. Now, think about it, that's 5% of American demand or 1% of world demand. Uh, and you're also in the middle of the summer, which is uh, traditionally the, the slow period for demand. So the real test of petrol prices will be what happens next winter. But of course, the big crisis for Europe is gas and particularly uh, electricity, because electricity is overwhelmingly dependent on gas in Europe. And the screw up there isn't just the general problem of underinvestment over the last 10 years and the push for unreliable renewables at the expense of more reliable uh, sources of energy. It's also the war and the refusal of the Europeans to allow the scheduled opening of Nord Stream 2 pipeline. If we let Nord Stream 2 pipeline flow, then this gas that's now been flared in St. Petersburg would then come through into the German and European markets and the gas price would fall. Can you explain that sentence, this gas that is now being flared in St. Petersburg? Yeah, uh, Europe uh, gets about 40% of its gas demand, uh, you know, before the war from uh, Russia. Russia is a monopoly gas exporter. Uh, traditionally, that pipeline system went through uh, Ukraine and uh, Belarus. Uh, the pipeline system is still in place, but starting, uh, well, well, really 90, uh, last year, uh, they opened up a southern pipeline through Turkey called Turkstream. And 10 years ago, they opened a a northern pipeline called Nord Stream 1, which starts near St. Petersburg, goes to Germany, then into the European grid. And to meet the uh, recovering demand in European gas and expected growth, they built a second Nord Stream, exactly the same capacity, 55 billion cubic metres. And that uh, uh, was completed last September, passed the safety checks and was due to start flowing gas by Halloween. And instead, because of the mounting tensions, the Europeans delayed that on a number of excuses uh, and uh, then said that they weren't going to open Nord Stream 2 as a protest about the build-up and the invasion of Ukraine. So effectively, the gas crisis in Europe and therefore the electricity cost crisis is self-inflicted by us refusing to buy the gas that's currently available to flow through Nord Stream 2. And the Russians have retaliated against that by within contract, but still uh, unjustly, um, dragging out maintenance and repair schedules. They're going to shut down next week the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, which is still flowing. They're going to shut down for another three days uh, maintenance activity, which is probably not strictly necessary. Uh, But the simple answer is to simply flow gas through Nord Stream 2, at least until we have filled our storage, moderated the price, and we no longer face this power and gas emergency for our consumers. I think the thing that will surprise many, and it definitely surprises me, is how 
business can continue to uh, operate in, uh, albeit in a in a very uh, mealy-mouthed fashion, but it still continues to operate w- despite all of the saber-rattling talk there is at political and diplomatic level, despite all of the um, threats, despite all of the aggression, they still buy and sell gas. Yeah, I mean, life has to go on. Uh, You have to compartmentalise your mind. You know, because you're annoyed at, say, the Russians attacking Ukraine or the British and Americans attacking Iraq, it doesn't mean that you can't do business with them or that you don't have to do business with them. Like we in Ireland are dependent on two interconnectors from Scotland. So no matter what the British government does over Brexit, no matter what threats they make, uh, we have to continue doing business with Britain because the cost would be uh, prohibitive of not doing business with them. And uh, nowhere is that more true than with the Ukrainians because the Ukrainians, if you look back last year, they're complaining because the Russians cut off the gas flows through Ukraine from September because the Ukrainians hadn't been paying the Russians for gas and have been stealing some gas out of the system. But what happened on the first day of the war, the Russians started reflowing gas. And the reason was that the European utilities under contract have the right to call extra volumes at a higher price. They did this expecting that they'd get a check in the mail from Gazprom. <clears throat> and they would have got a check if they if Gazprom hadn't delivered the gas. So Gazprom started flowing gas in the pipelines under the war. So above ground, you're killing people and below ground, you're supplying gas. And that's how the market works. Is it politically acceptable, do you think, though, for Europe to um, accept gas through Nord Stream 2 or to accept a greater level of Russian gas, given that the refusal to take it is seen as one of the most effective sanctions to date? Well, the only way it's effective is in screwing European consumers. You're charged charged now, uh, well, the wholesale market's up about seven, eight times. Uh, Not all of that's been passed through to Irish consumers. I mean, maybe i put it back to you, is how many... Irish deaths from cold and European deaths from cold or misery or, or your granny going to bed early because you can't afford the heat. How many of those, how much of that suffering, how many of those deaths are politically acceptable? That's the real question. David Horgan, thank you very much. That's David Horgan, CEO of Petrol Resources. We're joined as well by Aoife Foley, who's professor in the School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering in Queen's University and an expert in the area of energy and particularly the shift to renewable energy. And I suspect Aoife that people will look at this and say, how did we end up in a situation where we are so beholden to Russia? I suppose um, hindsight is a great thing. Um, And I started banging my drum back in maybe 2008, 2009 about this. It was quite obvious at the time that the shift to renewables and the lock-in to carbon would be difficult to juggle. Um, And then moving forward and looking at we different sort of global events, um, Afghanistan, some issues in the Middle East, um, some geopolitical, geopolitical issues feed into it, you know, David pointed out. um, And then that affects production. We we had Trump in the States and, and, and fracking gas. So the market's been really fluctuating quite madly over the last 10 years, you know, um, and, and, and we've ended up in this situation. Um, people seem to forget as we shift to renewables, we have to make renewable devices, wind turbines, solar PV panels, all of those require energy and everything that goes into them, you know, there's metals, precious metals, all of that requires um, energy. Some of those pre- precious metals um they come from geopolitically unstable areas as well. We were never really going to move away from gas, natural gas, at the rate that we had envisaged in our policy targets. Um, unfortunately, you know, policies are great. Um, you know, EV targets, they're great. Um, we set a target of 20% in tw- for 2020. 
And, um, you know, some of my work, I had highlighted that in 2011, I said, there's no way we're going to meet this target. And lo and behold, there was a lot of excitement and drama in 2020 when we didn't reach that target because manufacturing facilities aren't there for those electric vehicles. Um, People are feeling the crunch already um, and car sales are down. Um, People are tied into PCPs. Interest rates will go up. That will affect PCP rates. Um, So everything is cyclic and it all ties in. Um, Petrol prices, um, diesel prices, 2011, 2012, maybe 120 euro a litre, 140 euro a litre have slowly crept up. Um, And and then really the last year, two years, um, and then with COVID, with supply chain issues, 180, 220. um, Shell, Shell, a lot of the oil companies around the world, um, they are divesting themselves from certain facilities. So that meant then there was a supply chain uh, production issue in the refineries. Um, so it, it's all fed into each other. And can I ask um, you, if, uh, you and I um, have spoken before about the, what the Germans have been doing and trying to claw back mm-hmm. 2% of their uh, gas consumption. What, if anything, is in our power in Ireland as we look into the winter and look into the energy crisis that we are facing to mitigate that crisis? Well, I suppose we're, we're going to have to really um, tighten our belts in terms of energy Efficiency is really, really important. I think the government now at this stage needs to form, um, and I said it yesterday and I'm saying it again, we need to form an emergency energy committee or groups um, with like, I mean, key experts, engineers, economists, you know, somebody like David um, who, who just spoke. Th- these are the people we need. Um, I worked in industry for 12 years. Academia is great. I love it. I've been in it for 12 years. But, you know, we need some practical common sense and people who understand the market. Um, I worked in the market. I understand it. Um, Simple things. Half the number of light bulbs in your house. Christmas tree lights. You know, you don't need as many strings. Office lighting. Switch off everything from the ground floor up. Um, Reduce your thermostat setting. um, Service your boiler. Um, you know, don't be walking around in your home in a pair of shorts and T-shirt um, in the middle of the winter. Um, coal prices will go up. Um, wood will go up because people will start to buy wood, so wood price will go up. Um, we, heating oil is already up. At, it, it, like, I mean, I'm looking at it at the moment. It's gone up 89%. Crude oil is up 35%. Brent is tracking up at 38% on last year. Um, UK gas prices are up they're almost up 400 and odd percent. Now, the UK did ramp up production over the last number of months, up 25% on the Henry Hub to export to help Europe. Um, But, like, I mean, we don't have gas reserves in Ireland. We're dependent on the UK. They've one of the lowest gas reserves in Europe, approximately one week. Um, The Germans have about 90 days. Um, they're sitting at about 80% capacity of storage at that at the moment. But as, as, as David pointed out, Nord Stream 2 hasn't come online. Um, it, they're trying to slow down um, shipping on Nord Stream 1. And you must remember, China and Turkey are quite happy to take the gas that would normally come to Europe. India as well, because they're getting it. The, the Russians will sell it to them at a, at a lower cost. Um, you know, it- going back 2021... Um, pence per term, we're, we're tracking 105, and now we're predicting on the wholesale gas price day ahead 
up at around 505p a thermal. I'll tell you what, Eva, it, it, it paints a fairly bleak picture of, of what does. the winter uh, looks like ahead of us. Thanks very much for coming on. That's Aoife Foley, who's professor in the School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering in Queen's University. And of course, all of this will land on the laps of those in the Dáil and those in government to try to mitigate the impact on Irish citizens and Irish consumers and also to try to limit the requirements for uh, gas, given that we have little in the way of a capacity to increase uh, production. With us is Sean Defoe, who is News Talk's political correspondent. This budget, therefore, Sean, that we are looking at in the next couple of weeks, the pressure to get it right and the pressure to protect those on the margins. I mean, if you go back to what David said about to what extent do we accept deaths from the cold? To what extent do we accept elderly or people who are on the margins going to bed in their jumpers early because they can't afford to heat their houses? That's a tricky question for the government, isn't it? Yeah, it's so incredibly grim to find ourselves kind of back in this situation where the budget takes on this much importance to people staying alive, which arguably, you know, it hasn't in nearly a decade as the economic recovery has come on. And this is certainly the most significant budget of the lifetime of this government, if not the most significant budget since those times when the economy was in uh, the haypenny place, as it were. So there's a lot of pressure on the government, uh, as your last two guests have been outlining. And as such, the budget this year is going to be structured very differently to what it usually is. They're going to have a 6.7 billion euro overall package, which is a a 6.5% increase in spending on last year. It's actually breaking their own spending rules to go a little bit further. And then there's going to be a second one-off pot, if you like, of measures that are specifically aimed at targeting the cost of living. We don't know how much that is going to be around the summer economic statement time. Michael McGrath was talking about €400 million Euro in recent days and some media speculation um, it has said that that could go as high as €2 billion. Euro. From people I've been speaking to in the Department of Finance, they think it would be somewhere around a billion. And what you're looking at in... Um, that particular pot is measures like another round of the electricity credit, the 200 euro that we all got earlier on in the year. You're going to look at um, things like the, keeping the cuts to the excise rates, keeping the cuts to public transport, also additional weeks of the fuel allowance and then a double payment probably as well uh, of children's allowance. So they are going to target some specific measures when it comes to social welfare, probably in the children's allowance, which is 140 euros. So somewhere to, sometime in the autumn, if you have one child, you'll get 280. If you have two children, three children, it will double as obviously as it goes on. And then in the 6.7 billion euro pot, uh, the kind of concurrent spending that you will not need to find the money for only this year, but also years after that, more across the board increases in social welfare. So the, the figure being talked about and most likely to happen is 15 euro across the board on all different social welfare payments, the state pension, job seekers, all the other ones. And that comes obviously at a, at a very big cost to the government that's going to cost around um uh, 1 billion euro 1.1 billion euro to do 15 euro a week to everybody so you can see how a little for everyone a week ends up costing a lot when it comes to the overall uh, headline well, well on that note Sean does that mean that some of the things that had been mooted because there were discussions about a, a flat 30% tax rate there were discussions about some of the universal payments that apply to all does that mean that the likelihood is that the possibility of those coming through the rising tide that affects all boats they are going to get wiped away in favour of targeted measures to help those most in need. 
Well, taxation is in a separate pot the way they do this, right? So not, not to get too wonky in the figures, but the way they have it at the minute is there's about 2.3 billion euro for additional spending um, that is unallocated at the moment. So that has to take in the likes of social welfare increases. It also has to take in the public sector pay deal, which talks are going to resume next week. We don't know what the final cost of that's going to be. The deal that the government did offer to unions before would have been a total of 1.2 billion. So you can estimate it's going to be somewhere north of that, but we don't know where it lands. So straight away, that takes a big chunk out of your room to spend and if you're adding another 1.1 billion euro in terms of social welfare on top of that you can see your 2.3 billion euro is gone pretty quickly and that takes away wiggle room in a lot of other areas if you're looking at say the likes of childcare or housing or healthcare or, or whatever when it comes to taxation that 30% rate um Leo Varadkar is the, the main proponent of it in government really he's been pushing for it for most of the year Others not so hot in government. And while I've been told that the idea isn't totally dead in the water and the negotiations between the leaders are really going to start heating up in the next week, they don't see it as very likely. And sort of the reasons behind that is is the cost. It will cost about a billion euro, which is your total tax spend, to do that 30% measure if you were to set it on, on the current rate. So basically what would happen is where people start paying the 40% at the moment at 36,800 euro, uh, that would now be where you start paying the 30% rate and you wouldn't start paying 40% until you're earning 46,800 euro with that total measure costing about 950 million euro. Now, the problem with that is, is a couplefold. One, that it, it actually benefits higher earners. The people who are earning 100 grand benefit as much as someone who's earning 50 grand in this scenario. And it only benefits you if you are already paying the higher rate of tax. So the people who arguably need it more, who are on uh, lower incomes, wouldn't benefit at all by that measure. So while the people who do benefit, benefit the most, if you get me, it'd be about 1,000 euro a year straight back into their pockets. It doesn't benefit as many people. So what's more likely to happen on the tax front is what we've seen in previous years where they fiddle around with the tax ban. So the point at which you start paying the 20% rate will probably go up and then the point at which you start paying the 40% rate will probably go up and then you benefit more people, albeit by less money. Can I uh, can I go back then, Sean, to the, the energy issue at the heart of this? Because we're getting text saying things like, why are we not taking drastic steps to reduce energy use? We're in a climate crisis which overshadows this energy crisis businesses and government need to lead the way we need to reduce energy consumption for the future of our planet uh, another saying never mind the margins that the electricity companies uh, are sorry never mind people on the margins I apologize I employed 250 people we will be bust in four months if this electricity price continues now earlier on Professor Aoife Foley uh, just said that in her view there should be I'm paraphrasing, but the equivalent of a effort for energy that we need to get an, an emergency energy committee together to try to figure out how we are going to get through the winter. Do you get the sense from the sources that you're talking to in government and beyond that that is a view shared by those in power? And do they take it as seriously as our previous guests were suggesting they should? I think in fairness they are taking it quite seriously they're also somewhat limited in the amount they can do I think Eamon Ryan for example is going to be very reluctant in telling people how to actually save energy in the way that Aoife for example did because the last time he did and every time he has he's been absolutely panned saying of course we're already doing all these things turning off the lights and, and wearing jumpers indoors people are already at that stage but I think they do to be fair to the government they do accept that this is going to be an incredibly incredibly difficult winter and they're going to have to take action but even in the action that they take you can see there are already knock-on consequences so for example the 
the uh, talk about a windfall tax on the profits of these energy companies, which has been around for a couple of months now, which Eamon Ryan came out pretty strongly in favour of, said that he will be pushing for that in the budget so that you can tax them and maybe that increases the pot that you can use in the budget to then actually help people through maybe expanded fuel allowance or, or more energy credits or whatever it happens to be. Uh, but almost straight away, as soon as he said that, we saw the rise uh, from SSC electricity, almost 40% on, on, on and some of their rates. And there is some analysts of the industry are saying that there is a good chance there will be now be a rush of them, obviously, in the next month as energy companies try to get in in advance and sort of cushion themselves for a measure like that. So there is that fine balance that they are uh, trying to Indeed. react. But every and I, I think that, that mirrors as well what Conor Pope was saying at the, the start of the show, that it tends to be one goes and then everybody follows. Sean Defoe, thank you so much. So Sean Defoe, who is News Talk's political correspondent. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.